Just so all the lizards out there know, know that's been a solid uh, 40 minutes of technical issues. <laughs> and lizards, lizards, I want, I want to be very, very clear. We're not dumb people. No, we are highly educated, skilled, sophisticated, independent women doing it for themselves. And you've heard that we've had good audio on some episodes. So it, it exists. There are, I don't know if I'd say there are dozens of them, but they exist. Baker's There's dozens. Baker's and it's just... Zizzes. And literally... The only thing that fucking changed was I got wireless headphones. That should not affect my microphone. That should not affect anything. And yet, and yet, there's something new and weird and wrong every every time. Fucking time. And uh, I don't know if you're not following us on the Instagram. You should be at Wine Times. We're Bond. adorable. We are, but also then you would know that this is actually a redo of an episode that we have already recorded and let me tell you was not just hysterical but a, <laughs> but a touching look at a tragic event i must say um and then katie's computer became possessed so in multiple ways multiple lizards multiple possessions um, many catholic first priests would, were called <laughs> first it would just not record when i hit record okay cool for no good reason then uh Based on nothing, sometimes M.M. would hear a demon's voice come out of my mouth. And that is not a uh, an exaggeration. Hey, that's not when just she a me would hear it. That is a, <laughs> that was the noise. This wasn't a me problem, let me just say. This was this was not a my perception problem. This was an actual she, problem. She recorded it with her phone and sent me the video. Yes, I did. And we, we might need to put that on the gram because my reaction is one of pure horror i feel like as a user of adobe creative suite for my entire career there shouldn't be this much shit going wrong lizards my entire audio was it wasn't just bad it was fucked last time (laughs) where literally it repeated my like it, it, it it would take a sound sample and paste it over so basically i sounded like you were like wicka wicka wicking on like a turntable before before we get into the specifics of this episode um your name is katie and you are mm oh that's so crazy and this is the wine times mysteries podcast where we bond over wine and mysteries although it is a bit of a as bi-coastal besties, as bi-coastal besties. we forgot that part um dang although it is a bit of a misnomer this week because uh there's not a mystery here it's a solved mystery well, a solved case that we're about to discuss it is a solved case but i think there is the mystery of how could anyone do this true how did it go as, on as long as it did as well as you know if anything This also speaks to the mysteries of a long-term relationship and how you can be dating someone or be friends with someone Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And then perhaps over a couple of drinks at a party, you hear some crazy wild story 
And you're like, what? Excuse me? Excusez-moi. Which I feel like this is one of those stories. So how do I, how do, okay, let's start at the beginning. This is episode 26. And we're going to talk about the murders perpetrated by an individual whose name was Ed Chen Mm -hmm. in Great Falls, Virginia in 1995. This is going to be a two-parter. No surprises here, okay? Everyone, you're going to be on the edge of your seat because in part one, which we are recording today and you are listening to now, we are going to go over the timeline, the cast of characters, and the actual details of the event. In part two, oh, lizards, you have the great honor and anticipation of listening to an interview with the one and only Super Husband. <gasps> now, <gasps> why would we interview Super Husband, you say? Well, when he, when he refuses to listen to the podcast that he will <laughs> soon appear on. That's right. Well, because, dear lizards, um, at the time that I first started dating Super Husband in 2002, this news story was in the media. And Super Husband, who at that time was Super Boyfriend, Says to me, he says, yeah, this guy that I went to high school with apparently murdered his whole family. What? I say, what? <laughs> so this has been something that we've been talking about for quite a while. And it comes up from time to time whenever we're, you know, remember how before this whole COVID thing, how you'd like get together yeah. in groups and talk to people? For a, a gleeful 60 minutes, one might say, a happy hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An hour of happiness. So he wasn't also, he wasn't just like passing friends. Like he was friends, friends with this person. Like he wasn't just a, a, a nod in the hallway in high school. They were, they so were in the same circle. They ran in the, they, correct. They were not best friends, but they did run in the same circles. And they graduated the same year from high school. So... And without further adieu, oh, one little tiny additional adieu. Oh, there is some more. Adieu. <laughs> uh, the way that I found out about this was at one of those gleeful, a- oh. gleeful times of hours of happy, of happiness. And I honestly forget what we were talking about. And it might have been something like, you know, like, oh, do you know, like a famous person from who you went to high school with or whatever? And super husband just casually drops. That, oh, I went to high school with a murderer. <laughs> that we know of, at least one. At least one. And <laughs> that was a, you know, record scratch esquiz. What? And uh, the whole... You might be wondering how we got here. Our whole little group at work, because um, that's how Emma and I met, I was at a job. Uh, we were all reading the stories that we will put in our show notes um, the next day to learn this whole sordid tale and of course, our our usual uh, true crime caveat of we're going to be making jokes and we're going to be laughing and things like that. But of course, this is horrible, and you know that's how you can deal with the horribleness is to say what the fuck and make fun of it. Oh. That's right. We are drawing our information here not just from the retellings of Super Husband. But also from some actual articles published in actual (laughs) newspapers and sources of repute. So there are three different articles from the Washington Post, two from 2002, one from 2005, all by Tom Jackman. 
and one article from the Washingtonian, which is a fantastic article, and I would highly encourage everyone to find this article. It's long, but it's really worth it. And it is by Anne Limpert and Harry Jaffe, also from 2005. Then there are two TV shows you can check out. And let me tell you, the Investigation Discovery episode on this is so cheesy, <laughs> and the acting is so bad. Um, but they got, but... they got some great gets in that Investigation Discovery. Yeah, and the author of the very good, one of the authors of the very good uh, Washingtonian article, Harry Jaffe, is also in the Investigation Discovery. He's one of the people they interview. So um, I thought that was really interesting because I recognized his name when he popped up. I was like, oh, he's a bow tie dude. Who knew? <laughs> I do love a good bow tie. <laughs> I do love a good bow tie. Uh, and when Super Husband watched the investigation, he watched it first and then we watched it together. Okay. So he's pointing out all the things that he knew were inconsistent or, or wrong with the story, the retelling. And the first thing he says to me is, they have a journalist and he's definitely dressed up in a tuxedo I, to do this interview. I literally <laughs> thought it was a tuxedo as well. It took me, and then like, I was like, oh no, no, no. Yeah. It's just a, it's a suit with a blow tie, but it's also, it, 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 like it reads tuxedo for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's a look. It's a, it's a look. Luke, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Luke. A whole, it's a whole vibe. So let's just talk for a minute. Let's set the stage and talk about this family. So these events center on the Chen family from Taiwan. There are four members of this family that we're going to talk about. There is Wu Hung Chen, the father of Ed Chen, who in 1995 was 53. There is Ye Mei Chen. In 1995, she was 52. They have two sons, Raymond Chen, who was 25 in 1995, and Ed Chen, who was 19 in 1995. Now, Wu Hong Chen had a successful business in Taipei that was a heating and ventilation company, and they seemed rather well off because he made the decision to send his sons to Northern Virginia for their education. He sent them when Ed was 11 years old, he sent the two boys to the United States. They bought a house in Herndon, which is how Super Husband ended up knowing Ed Chen because he also went to Herndon High School. However, Wu Hung and Ye Mei did not spend a lot of time in the United States, which is kind of shocking to me, especially considering the ages of the boys at this time. So if Raymond is six years older than Ed, you know, he's 17 living around the world from where his parents are mm -hmm. and in charge of his brother who is 11. That just seems crazy to me, but also, and I know people do what they have to do to survive, but this does not seem like a survival situation. Mm -hmm. This seems like a, a choice that they wanted to continue their business. They didn't want to move their business over, but they wanted their children to get the benefits of a U.S. education. It just seems strange to me that there's no adult there and at least full-time adult. It sounded like some they were there part of the time and they would leave part of the time. But really, especially according to Super Husband, Ed's brother was really his guardian and was raising him. Which also kind of dovetails into our story because a lot of it is, it starts out kind of with Ed being a, like rebelling against what his parents would want him to do and rebelling against being, you know, at the a perfect son and, you know, wanting to date who he wants to date and things like that. And it's just like, well, if you have him in a completely different country and 
only supervised by his brother. What, what did you think was going to happen? I'm not saying this means murder yes. is deserved. I'm just saying that <laughs> it, it adds a lot to where the conflict comes from. Right. And when you think about how you were at age 11, right, and you're going into middle school and all you want to do is be a kid who fits in when you're that age. You don't want to stand out from the crowd. And here he's coming to the United States. He's learning English. He wants to fit in with the other kids that are his age. He wants to learn slang. He doesn't want to be a quote-unquote traditional Taiwanese kid. He wants to be like the American kids that he is around, which is understandable. So you start to get this culture clash in a couple of ways um, where, first of all, Ed's going to be, you know, a little bit rebelling from this cultural traditional family that uh, he's been brought up in. Also the fact I can, I can hear the arguments right now, the you're not my dad, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's living with his older brother and I can't imagine the kind of stress and strain that puts on that relationship. Like the resentment that you could get from, you know, especially as this is how all the articles and um, investigation discovery kind of present Raymond as this dutiful older brother, like you're rebelling against your, all these things and Raymond Rippers is the one representative basically of all this that you want to rebel against and he's your brother and not really your dad like you yeah know, I can just see it as being like that's tough yeah so we're gonna fast forward a little bit we know that Ed came to the U.S. when he was 11 and we're gonna fast forward into high school so in high school is where Ed met a woman whose name was Mandy Mandy did not go to Herndon High School Mandy went to another high school in the area called South Lakes. However, Mandy participated in the ROTC program, which was not present at South Lakes. So all the kids at South Lakes who wanted to partake in the ROTC program were bussed over from South Lakes High School to Herndon High School, which is where Ed went to school, which is where Super Husband went to school to participate in ROTC. And this is the point where we learned that Super Husband for two years, was in the ROTC at Herndon High School with Mandy. La gasp. Um, La This gasp. was not shared. This was, I was the last time we recorded this years old uh, when I found this out <laughs> and was shocked, shocked to hear this because it, it just doesn't seem like a super husband's vibe, frankly. Mm. Oh, well, did you know that super husband's parents sent him to military school one summer? <laughs> That is, I was today years old when I learned that. (laughs) Those were the shenanigans that he and his friend group were getting up to. I know. I know. You would never expect it today. You would never expect it today. So, um, so these crazy kids are taking ROTC at Herndon High School. Well, Mandy ends up dropping out of school. And got married at 16 when she was pregnant. We don't know a lot, or we being (laughs) your co-hosts, don't know a lot about uh, the individual she married. I'm making an assumption that this was the father of the baby. Um, But we do know that Ed attended the wedding, since he was friends with Mandy at this point. And he gave the new couple a shiny new toaster as a wedding present. So what a, what a polite gift. I also asked Super Husband if he knew the guy that Mandy got married to. And apparently he, he 
didn't run in the same. Yeah, we just. I feel like we just know his name's Kenny because it was mentioned as an aside on Investigation Discovery. But like, who like that could have been changed because Kenny might not have could have been signed a waiver, whatever. A legal legal waiver. Oh, and the other important thing to note here is that Mandy is white. So, a year after Mandy gets married to maybe Kenny, aka Kenny. Um, her marriage fell apart and she got a divorce, which should not be shocking at the fact that she got married and had a baby and dropped out of high school at 16. That's a lot for any one individual to process and deal with. That is a lot of life in a very short amount of time. When I was 16, I think I was just like driving a shitty car that didn't like to go reverse in the rain. I wasn't dealing with the same things (laughs) that Mandy was dealing with. No, no, my issues were not nearly <laughs> no. on, on the level of what this individual w- was processing. So Ed and Mandy started to date when they ran into each other again, and he found out that she had gotten a divorce, and Ed apparently took her to the junior prom oh. at high school, which is sweet. Now it's 1993. Ed graduates from Herndon High School and enrolls for the fall semester at the University of Virginia, which, if you are not familiar is a fancy school for fancies and a smart school for smarties. So when Ed moves to Charlottesville to start at UVA, he rents Mandy a separate apartment in his neighborhood so that they can still be close to each other, which is interesting. This implies to me his parents are not keeping a close eye on where their money is going. Right, because it's definitely not his money that he's using. He's using his parents' money, which is a kind of a constant theme in this tale. Um, and how we find out things later. Yeah, it kind of also shows that remove, right? That removal of they're not, they want to control him, but they are so far removed that they don't even notice that he's renting two apartments, right? Like, right. I would think that would be like the, huh, hey, Ed, <laughs> uh, you want to? Funny, funny questions. Just, just curious what this is. And like, if he comes up with a good lie, great, but it's just like, I feel, it feels like they just didn't even notice it. And they were just like, yeah, whatever. Right. Now, do you think as parents, when they do find out about this relationship, approve of it? I'm going to hazard a guess that no. It's definitely a no for me, dog. No, that's right. That is correct. I'm going, no. I'm going with fiction. They did not approve. Right. For, for multiple reasons. First of all, she was white. And she was an unmarried teen mother. So what do they do? Because they are all the way across the world in Taiwan. They send his older brother, Raymond, to break up Ed and Mandy. And Raymond wrote Mandy a letter. And this is quoted from the letter. Please don't at me. These are not my words. I am just repeating them, everyone. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Hold on to your butts. We could talk about it after, but I... If someone actually said these words to me, I just don't, I just don't know. But didn't even really say them, didn't really have the guts to say them. I mean, these were written in a letter. But the letter, this is a snippet from the letter. Just because you eat Chinese food or learn a few kicks, you wouldn't understand our culture. Ed's a good catch, but we expect more of him to go to the best school and marry the best girl. I wish you and your daughter luck. You must live with the consequences of your actions. My parents are heartbroken over your relationship. XOXO, Gossip Girl. Wow. To which I say, that sounds like a you and them problem. Right, that doesn't sound like a Mandy problem or a her daughter problem. No. 
<sighs> so lizards, look, I get it. I get it. I am in a multi-racial relationship. There are different cultures going on. Um, you know, having to understand or try to understand, be deferential to other cultures, be accepting and be loving. It is tough. Things were not always uh, easy. When Super Husband and I started dating and first got married, I never got a letter like this. <laughs> I should hope not. But that was just because... If it, and if you, <laughs> that was just because things were said to my face. It's fine. Oh. It's totally fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so we're going to fast forward to the spring of 1995. Ed and Mandy are still dating. Mandy is still living in Charlottesville near UVA. And Ed tells Mandy he has to go to Fredericksburg, Virginia for a job interview. Apparently, though, that's all the details that he gives her. But he just doesn't come back when he leaves the house to go to Fredericksburg. So eventually she goes to his apartment and most of his stuff is gone from the apartment. Mm -hmm. What really happened is that his family took Ed back to Taiwan and put him in a mental institution. They, they kidnapped him. Oh my gosh. Um... Well, what I'm not clear on is whether they came... Like Raymond came and forced him to get on a plane, which seems like a difficult thing to do when one is an adult. Mm -hmm. Or if it was like a guilt manipulation thing. Right. I don't know. But I, I also don't know how how stern the lockdown rules were at this mental institution because he was somehow able to call her. And he tells her he had to go to Taiwan to get his wisdom teeth removed. And then he keeps he's still sending her checks while he's in Taiwan mm -hmm. to, you know, for her rent and, right. and upkeep. So the parents don't approve, but he still does have access to the cash, which is while he's in a mental institution while he's in, a mental in institution. Taiwan on the now haunted episode. We speculated a little bit that it could have been that he was thinking I just need to get through this to appease my parents mm -hmm. and then they don't have to know that I'm going to go back and keep dating her, I guess, right? Like, it could just be like, maybe I'll be in here for a little bit. I'll get some therapy. I'll feel like everything's better. And then, or you know, or move on. Is this what radicalized him? We don't know. You know, like, that, that's, that's right. These are the, we don't know. These are the hypotheses, right? Like, either is he just going to mm -hmm. chug along and get through it and go back to ever, how everything was? Or is this what made him think, you know, I've got to do something about this? Eventually, Mandy leaves Charlottesville and moves back to the Herndon, Virginia area. And then Ed calls her in August and says, he's back in town and they can be together. She, of course, is curious about how this could now happen since, he, as far as she knows, he was basically kidnapped and hauled off to a mental institution in Taiwan because of their relationship. And all Ed says is, my parents aren't going to bother us anymore. Which... I mean, which since we're talking about this on a podcast, you know, is a red flag. But for Mandy, she doesn't know. No. she. So again, we can guess. Did they all have a very intense set of therapy sessions where they sat down, talked about their feelings, and came to a place of mutual understanding and acceptance as adults? It's definitely a no for me, dog. Or no. Or no. Fiction. Or no. Just, yeah. <laughs> We made that up. Jonathan Frakes says, that's a lie. <laughs> August 17th, 1995, when Ed is only 19 years old, essentially, here's the recap, and then I'm going to get into some details. He shoots his father, his mother, and his brother 
in their house in Great Falls, Virginia. To do this, he purchased a Winchester rifle from the local Kmart. He goes into his family's rooms in the middle of the night and shot them. Now, this was motivated by the fact that they are still trying to break up his relationship with his girlfriend, Mandy. And we would think that this would attract a lot of attention because all of a sudden an entire family is missing. However, 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 they lived mostly in Taiwan and they weren't reported missing. So Ed just told his relatives in Taiwan that the rest of the family died in a car accident in the United States. And then he told people in the United States that his parents had died in Taiwan. And eventually Ed assumed his brother Raymond's identity and got a driver's license in his name. He paid his taxes in his parents' names. He had bank accounts in multiple states. In 2002, one of those accounts had $1.8 million and another one had $1.9 million. So he was not scraping by, right. let's say that. Right. And and it's also important to know that the house itself, so you think three gunshots isn't not going to attract attention. No. From a rifle. From a rifle, right? From a rifle. Um, but no, uh, you know, and they the house they show in Investigation Discovery, I'm not sure if, how accurate it is, but they do say that it's a very large house set very far back from the street of, you know, lots of land. So, you know, no one heard it. Or if they did hear it, they were like, huh, what was that? Car backfire? Hmm. And so no one reported right it. so lizards when you think of herndon virginia it is if you are not familiar with the area it's easy to think about it as just a typical suburb picket fence suburb uh of the greater dc metropolitan area however the reston herndon great falls area it's home to a lot of the executives that came to the area because of the dot-com boom in the 90s there are a lot of what people like to call McMansions, except they don't really look like each other, so they're not exactly cookie cutter, but they are on these big lots that are at least three or four acres, which I know, Lizards, there are some people who are listening to three or four acres and laughing and saying, that's not a lot of land. I get it. <laughs> but my, parents, my parents used to have 30 acres. I get it. But here, that is a, a lot of land, and it, it's wooded. Mm -hmm. And so you end up in a place where you have lots of... Um, like English riding horse farms. You have a lot of these mansions just for the sake of being mansions out in that area for these people to drive over to basically the dullest corridor. Right. It's not It's um, not like it, this land is being worked. It is a large, no. large, large lawn that these like, houses I can are look sitting. Out, <laughs> I can look out of this window behind me and see two neighbor's houses that way. I can look out of the window in front of me and see another neighbor's house that way. That is not the case out there. Mm -hmm. That's just not the case. So it's shocking at first that someone can just be shooting a rifle willy-nilly in the middle of the night and nobody hears or cares, but you probably literally could not hear it mm -hmm. from any of the neighbor's houses out there. So Mandy, of course, does not know any of this information at the time when Ed says, oh, we're, I'm back, we can be together, my parents won't be a problem. So she pushes him and pushes him. And eventually, Ed tells Mandy about the murders, and he told her that he bought this hunting rifle, and he stayed at the Great Falls house until everybody went to sleep. He killed his brother Raymond first, and then he killed his mother. He talked to his father for a little bit, and then he shot him. Wow, he talked. Okay, so, mm -hmm. okay, guys. Um, and we'll talk about this 
probably a little bit more with Super Husband as well, since mm-hmm. he was talking about commentary about what in investigation discovery was inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely don't present it as them talking. So at that point, he puts the gun down and he waits for the police to come. Because again, you're firing multiple rifle shots in the middle of the night. That's just what you assume is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody came. So eventually, he just closed the front door of the house and drove away. Because, sure, why not? I guess that if you go <laughs> murdering, you're just going to leave. Yeah, and so and and one thing that investigation discovery does say that when Mandy's like like poking him and poking him and being like, "What do you mean? What do you mean?" She did say that when he came back, uh, he was um, like seemed really different, really paranoid, really you know, like in in the show they have the meeting in like a food court to talk oh, about I this. Know. And he's, like, staring at the security guard out of the corner of his eye. Like, the security guard's going to overhear him yeah. confessing this. True. So, like, if he had been acting normally, she probably would have been like, oh, they probably just came to an agreement, you know? Right. But because he was so paranoid and so different, she's like, what is going on here? And that's when he's like, well, you know, I I killed him. <laughs> she's like, cool. So, let's have a relationship. <laughs> right. Well, and she's like, the way they present it, in some of these articles and on ID is like, prove it. And she like doesn't believe him until like he shows her. And yeah. So he which shows I, her. Which I feel like that was a shortcut. Like I don't I don't <laughs> right? So apparently they just lived together in hotel rooms until they were able to get their own apartment in Herndon. And then Ed, surprise, did not go back to UVA that fall. He's got all these millions of dollars. That's so. right. And then in November, so so that was August of 95. In November of 95, Mandy gets pregnant. And I don't know how this plays into it, but once she's pregnant, Ed takes her to the Great Falls house to prove that he killed his family. Why? Uh, why? In one of the articles, they pressed her on why. <laughs> and she said, uh, morbid curiosity, and I figured it was the only way I could get Ed to stay with me. Let's, I mean, that could take a long time to dissect that, There's but what? A you lot to unpack Tell there. your boyfriend you're pregnant. He had already murdered his whole family over your relationship, and now when you're pregnant, he's like, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to stay unless you go see how I killed my family? I don't understand. I don't understand any of that. No. Also, and it- if you're getting, if, imagine morning sickness plus... <laughs> Going into that house that's been sealed up since August in Virginia, built on a friggin' swamp, this area was. So as as impromptu as this and unplanned as this seems, Ed is also, you know, he is smart enough to hire groundskeepers. So again, like no, no suspicion is being raised. Because that would be the one thing that would raise suspicion in that neighborhood would be, well, there you go, right? so uncapped. Right, like, it's not like it's a neighborhood that's having block parties. I'm like, well, I haven't seen Wuhan in a while. Nope. Like, it's, 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 and like, you know, the neighbors know that they're not around a lot. So it's just, it, the only thing that would be a, a tell would be if the outside of the house, anything happens to the outside of the house, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he is smart enough to kind of take care of that. But, uh, yeah, with, with Mandy, it's very, like, if the child isn't keeping you together i mean you already know about the murders, so you think he'd want to keep you close anyway 
But also on the flip side, it also makes you a loose end. So it's a we it's a hard to unpack. But again, like we don't know, like I don't know how I would react. Yeah. I, well, and pregnant <laughs> women are super vulnerable, anyways. There's some crazy statistic right. about how much more likely you are to be a victim of domestic um, domestic homicide. Is that the right term? Basically, to be murdered by a partner when you are pregnant. And wow. so you add on to that the fact that you know that your partner has already murdered at least three people. Mm-hmm. So I, I also don't understand this part. So they go to the house. Apparently her way to combat the smell of the decomposition inside is that she lights three incense sticks in the kitchen to mask the smell. And then they both wore K95 masks with essential oils on the inside of the mask. Now, in the Investigation Discovery show, they hilariously <laughs> show them doing all of this outside the house in plain view of every, well, really no one. But they're, they're doing this outside in the open in front of the house. So if somebody had been watching the house, they'd see these people lighting incense and putting K95 masks pre-COVID on their faces to go inside of the house and would have gone, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> And so this this whole scene is awful. Apparently, what was true in the reenactment was that Mandy could never really muster herself to go into Raymond's room and only went into the parents' room and that she could see his mother's little foot sticking out from under a blanket, but that he had pulled the covers up over his mother and that his father was on the ground where he had fallen when he shot him and that there was a trash can over the father's face or head. Head, face, your head's part of your face part. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thinking about this is just like so. Ugh. And he apparently leaves her in that room for 10 minutes while he goes to fuck around with the thermostat. What? What? Why? What? And I mean, one of the details that they mention in articles and stuff is that like the mom's brains are on the wall. I'm, so like, mm-hmm. so it's like he's doing these things that shows that he, there's clearly. Like, you know, putting the trash can on, covering her with a blanket, that shows some emotion, but also it's not like he cleaned them up. It's not like he moved them, anything like that. Like, the father's where he lay, like, lays where he fell, that kind of thing. So it's just, it's a weird... Oh, it's so you know, weird. And at this time, he apparently, now that Mandy's in on it, mm-hmm. asks her opinion about whether or not he should bury the bodies, to which she says... No, you really shouldn't do that because then wild animals will get to them. So what do you what do you, what is one to do but just leave them in the house where they are? So at this point it had been three months, right? If it right, like if it ain't broke. But it Ugh. definitely Ugh. is. Okay, Ugh. so this was had been three months, right? So it was August to September, October, November. Three months in, and they're like, mm-hmm. should I bury the bodies? She's all nah, bro. So he's like, cool. So they do what Ed has been doing, where they just close the door and leave. So now we get to fast forward nine months to when uh, Mandy gives birth to her and Ed's daughter. So that's going to be in 1996. And then in July of 1997, Ed and Mandy get married. And in an interesting turn of events that I think also says a lot about their relationship, his state of mind, and kind of where they were in their lives at this moment, they took eight of their friends along with them on their honeymoon 
to Cancun. <laughs> and as, as wonderful as that sounds, apparently when you build your relationship on murder, it's not going to last because they got a divorce in 1998 and somehow Ed got custody of their daughter, which is insane to me, especially in Virginia, it is just traditionally very hard for a father to get custody of a child in a divorce, especially a young mm-hmm. child. And this would have been when Virginia was even much more conservative in the 90s. So somehow he was able to convince the court that she's some kind of unfit mother to where he should have custody of mm-hmm. their daughter, which she already has another daughter. And so like convinces convinces the court that she's unfit for his daughter, but exactly she's un. But she like, still has. Would she be yes. unfit for both? And like, clearly, he has all of this money, so it's like he would very easily be able to pay childcare. That kind of stuff. That's it's baffling. Yes. In one of the articles that we read, we hear from Mandy that Ed left her in 1998 for quote unquote an Asian woman. Okay, so again, we have some race, ethnicity, cultural issues bubbling to the surface here. So. Who, so, who is this other woman? Well, in late 1998, so three years now after the murders, Ed starts <laughs> dating a woman named Vicky. And they live together in an apartment in Hernan, Virginia. Now, where did he meet Vicky? One might ask. Where did where did he meet Vicky? Well, lizards, if you're not familiar with the DC, with DC. there are um I would say, not now, definitely in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was, how would, would you say, a plethora? Many piñatas. Oh, yes, many. Would you say I have a plethora of piñatas? A what? A plethora. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have a plethora. Jefe, what is a plethora? Why, guapo? Well, you told me I have a plethora, and I just would like to know if you know what a plethora is. A, a plethora of uh, of gentlemen's clubs. A plethora of gentlemen's clubs. Apparently, to get a light, they weren't at some point. The city stopped issuing licenses for these gentlemen's clubs. However, the ones that existed were grandfathered in, and of course, highly prized and sought after for the revenue potential. Mm-hmm. So uh, this lucky lady, Miss Vicky, was working at one such institution with the royal name of Camelot. Camelot. Now, Liz- lizards, I want to be very clear. We are not shaming her for no. working at a gentleman's club. And there is no shame in sex work or stripping or anything like Exotic that. Exotic dancing. Camelot, however. Is no shame in working no. at Camelot either. It was just, it was a bit dirty <laughs> physically physically, <laughs> physically dirty dirty and just it was like like kind of a shithole so it was in it was on m street and there were right. uh, it not a standalone buildings like rows of townhouses that had been converted into various businesses bars and restaurants including sign of the whale where uh i spent some of my drinking days i lizards Hashtag this is 40. I had one of the craziest nights out on the town that unfortunately ended at Sign of the Whale. Oh, 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 no, thank you. 
No, pass. And, the, and there was a line to get in. I stood in a line Always. to get into that shithole. What the hell? It was just, it was not, there, are, there were other gentlemen's clubs that perhaps were classier. Um, well, it was, it's like, because the pickings were slim and, you know, you couldn't get new licenses there were only but so many places so i i want to say the attitude perhaps of camelot's management was we don't really have to try no and they didn't and they didn't no hey guess who went there for his bachelor party who super husband was taken there (laughs) i I was i love her like he was taken there that sounds like it was not presented to him as the options for the evening it sounds like it was just like, oh, hey, after dinner, where are we going? Well, it's a surprise. Well, the whole thing, it was a surprise bachelor party. I had told him that we were oh. getting dressed up to go out to eat with some friends, and the friends were going to come by and pick us up, and he said, okay, and they came, and they were really taking him to, to the bachelor party, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to place him there, and it's just not happening in my brain. <laughs> If you can imagine and again, the most is... uncomfortable person sitting at Camelot, not drinking. Imagine... He doesn't drink lizards, which also probably takes away from 99.9% of, of the Camelot experience. I I just, lizards, when I imagine a super husband bachelor party, I imagine it to be like uh, Ben Wyatt's in Parks yes. and Rec. That's probably what he you know, would have preferred. A nice evening in, playing some Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, something super low key. Yes. So, um, and again, this is not to this is not to shit all over Vicky or anyone who no. has worked at Camelot. It's just Camelot was just sort of known that we're it was more divey. We're setting the stage, and there were yeah. So another super husband tie-in. So I can think of two other such establishments in in the same Northwest Quadrant in DC. Mm-hmm. One. Being wise guys? No. Good guys club? Do what? Good guys club? Good guys, not wise guys. Good guys club, which you used to live near. And I knew it was a strip club before I knew it was a strip club because there were no windows there. No, it was just wood paneling lizards. Mm -hmm. This was uh, in Glover Park down the street from where I lived. And uh, right next to my Whole Foods. And And um, that's DC for you. Whole Foods. (laughs) Gentlemen's Club. And literally, my my favorite memory of Good Guys Club is that um, my mother was visiting me, my tiny little mother, and I want to say it was the morning of the Breast Cancer 5K, and we walked it together. She walked the whole thing. Aww. She was very proud of herself. And then we were going to go out for breakfast, and we were walking down um, into Glover Park to get brunch or something, and there was just a gaggle of chads <laughs> a gag uh, what does a gaggle of chads look like katie just at least six plus white boys in cargo shorts khaki cargo shorts mm-hmm. and uh blue stripes or squares ah. uh button-ups uh-huh. and sandals like they had all just come um, from vineyard vines yeah uh-huh <laughs> uh just traveling in a group in a in a brad of chads. Thank you. you. I was going to ask what the scientific name for a herd of chads was in uh, lizards. Yes, uh, Take note. It's a brad of, brad of chads. It's a brad of chads. Uh, and my mom's like, 
where are they going? I was like, I know where they're going. And I was like, because there were so many of them. And like, like, there was not a lot of people out on the street and still fairly early. Like, we had to wait until one of the restaurants was going to open, like, to be able to go get brunch. So I was like, oh, they're going to the strip club, mom. And she was just like, huh? It's so early. I mean, like, what time was this? I want to say like nine. Can you imagine? Nine or ten on a Sunday? Can you imagine waking up on a Sunday and you're like, well, this is how we're starting the day. Let's go, girls. Dun, 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 <laughs> Do you dun, think dun, they dun, have dun. a good uh, brunch buffet? Yeah, good guys. I mean, I have to imagine that they do. Um because what what's the draw? Like I feel like then just like wait until like a normal whatever, man. So they were done. So as we get closer and closer, mom's like, they can't be going in there. They can't. I'm like, they are definitely going in there. And all, you know, I want it was a big group, so I have to think it was like a bachelor weekend or something. Cause like there were so many of them. So I want to say there was like 10 plus dudes Ugh. and they just all in a herd in their in their brad. They go right oh, into Good Guys Club. And mom's like, no. And I was like, Mom, you have way too much hope in humanity for a brad of Chad's to not be going to the strip club at uh Man. ten and ten in the morning. Sunday, Sunday. fun day. And then there was another one. In DuPont, north side circle of DuPont that we'll have to ask Super Husband about because he knows the family <laughs> that owns that particular establishment. And get this, they also used to own, at the same time, a bridal shop. Well, I mean, obviously. You're capturing it's... so many different ends of the spectrum of like where people are in their lives but like it's the it's the bridal you know it's like it's the bridal complex right you use a bridal shop and like where bachelor parties happen. yes it's like hitting every exactly. silo exactly exactly so they had a real corner on the market there um oh my so gosh. now that we set okay, the stage sorry. for everyone this is where ed met vicky and then they move in together into an apartment in herndon which seems to be ed's mo with his ladies and soon he starts buying her cars and clothes, and everybody comments that he didn't work, but he seemed to have a lot of cash on him. Yeah, they were saying that he was he like he would give his friends lots of things mm-hmm. too. Like he would like just like such a generous dude, like with all of his money, like buying right. people stuff all the time. He yeah. he apparently bought at least eight of his friends' cars, and his nickname in the friend group was the philanthropist. I mean, him, him and Bill Gates are basically neck and neck on their philanthropy <laughs> Just front. Just the same. I mean, he, like, after all the cars and murder, he was going to turn his attention to malaria. Right. So, so one day, Vicky found recent passports for Ed's parents and his brother in a plastic bag in his dresser. So she starts asking him a bunch of questions. And because he had told her that his family had all died in Taiwan in crazy yeah, it, ways. It was a very, yeah, and tragic way. Like his brother was shot and then his father had a heart attack and then the mother died like soon after, like due to grief. And she, and they interview her in, um, in the ID episode and the entire time her little Chiron says Ed's friend. Oh. And, and then you get towards the end and you're like, Oh no, she's the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you downplayed this completely. Yes, and um and and she's saying, you know, she's like, I remember thinking that's just so tragic, 
And then she finds these passports that say they should be in America. And eventually he admits that he fell in love with some white girl and his parents were furious with him. They sent him to Taiwan. And when he came back, he bought a rifle, shot them all in their house in Great Falls. And he had left the bodies there for four years. (laughs) I'm sorry. So now there's another lady who knows this. Just... And is also Creating just more and more loose ends, man. Right. So, in uh, between 1998 and 1999, Ed assumed his brother Raymond's identity and sold five different houses that the family owned in the United States. Now, in the either the fall of 98 or the winter of 1999, there was a pipe that burst in the Great Falls house. Okay, so that's just important to know because what do you do when a pipe bursts? In the house where you have just kept all your body. You cannot just call in a contractor to come in and fix this mess. And right, and you can't be like, just don't go upstairs because the smell after four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the only reason the groundskeeper thing worked is that they never had to go inside. That's right. So, so what does one do? Well, Katie, the answer is you ask a friend. You phone a friend. You just, you think to yourself. Which one of my friends would seems like they would know what to do in this situation? I don't know if that's a insult or a compliment when he's just like, you know who I should call? Michael. I mean, in some ways, that's your ride or die. So it says a lot about your relationship. But as we learn later, Michael has some backstory history where he really was apparently the perfect person to ask for this favor. And lizards will get into it more in a bit. But just know that in the summer of 99... Ed asks his friend Michael to help him dismember his family's mummified bodies and get them out of the house. Let's keep going. Now Y2K happens, and now it's in 2000. Ed has Vicky arrested on a domestic assault charge. I don't know the details of this. However, when that occurred, talk about a loose end, she then tells the police that he's using a fake driver's license in his brother's name, which is the first time... Someone has mentioned boo to the police. And Mm -hmm. what do they do, Katie? I'm going to go with nothing. Correct. They do nothing about this. Now, granted, she didn't say, and he murdered his entire family. But that should key somebody in that there's something illegal going on here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, between 2000 and 2002, Ed withdraws almost $800,000 from his parents' bank accounts in Taiwan. Eight hundred thousand dollars september 2000 mandy flags down a cop in the parking lot of a bar in fairfax county called the blue iguana i have not been to this establishment i would like to do that because it sounds like a terrible place (laughs) the blue iguana (laughs) um and why does she flag this cop down you might ask well it is because a mechanic had just told her that someone had cut the gas line to her engine in her car. And so she's worried that Ed was trying to kill her because she knew that he murdered his family. Well, yes, that would also be a concern that I would have when you have a relationship yeah. with a murderer and then you break up. So she sits in the back of this cop's car and she tells the cop the story about Ed killing his entire family. So the officer takes notes but he writes down the wrong address of the crime scene. He writes down that the address is in neighboring Loudoun County, 
and not in Fairfax County where it actually occurred. So because the address error wasn't pulling up a correct address, the police department marked it as case closed. I just... <laughs> when clerical errors are mm -hmm. the reason for things. Yes. I just get so angry. Yes. So at this point, you know, she tells the story to the police. And as far as Mandy knows, mm -hmm. the police are looking into this. So she is thinking something is going to happen soon and shit's going to hit the fan. So she says to herself, well, I need someone else to know. Like she she has broken this dam of silence that she's built up for such a long time. So she decides to, she's also going to tell her boyfriend about this. But she was afraid to say it out loud. So apparently she got one of, the, one of her kids erasable notepads and would write down part of the story on it and he would read it and then she would erase it and she would keep going because she didn't want to leave a trace. She didn't want anyone to overhear mm -hmm. them. So she's obviously scared out of her mind at this point. Like, that's the only right. thing I can take away from that. Right. And I'm just imagining it on a magna doodle and, like, dying. We would still be just... here 20 years later. We would still be here. Um, like, in the back of Chandler and Joey's apartment, <laughs> just have a little magna doodle. Ed murdered his parents. Swipe. If you think um, you could get the entire sentence, Ed murdered his parents on a magna doodle, <laughs> you got something else coming, lady. That's true. So That's true. after that, she um, she also ends up writing a letter to a friend which and giving it to the friend and saying, if anything ever happens to me, give this letter to the police. Which, again, just shows how scared she was. How scared she is. And Katie and I have an agreement. Yep. <laughs> if she, we do, we have an agreement. Yeah. If she, if I go ahead. Ever write? If I ever write a letter and I say, if something ever happens to me, take this to the police. Um, I expect MM to cough to cover the sounds of her opening it right that second. <laughs> Same. Because oh my god, the fact Same. that the friend didn't open it, like what? Just the curiosity. This is a lot of responsibility. Like, yeah, it is. I would expect you to be like, Katie, what? Why are you so scared? Like, what's going on? Like, who's coming after you? Like, there's so many questions, and not just like, okay, there. Sure. Not just that. I had a hard enough time keeping up with my own stuff. Now I got to keep up with somebody <laughs> else's stuff, and it might be an important thing. Gotta gotta make sure I don't lose this. Letter. You you move and things just disappear. What the I mean, hell? Oof. So nothing ever happens, right, after her interaction with, with the police. So Which must be so scary because she must be thinking, well, they must have said something to him, so they, he must know I said something. And now and nothing's happening, so he must have gotten away with it. And now he's going to definitely come after right. me so, and my kids. Right, exactly. So she's probably, every day, she's probably just waking up, just like, what's going to happen today? Ugh, so there's two more years of this until March of 2002 when Vicky and Ed break up. So now he's got another another friend with a loose end. Only Vicky's a little bit different from Mandy. So Mar March 19th of 2002, Vicky calls the Fairfax police and she says, Hey, guess what? My ex-boyfriend killed his mother and his father and his brother. And so that's just a wild claim. And the detectives say, so did you see this happen? She said, nobody told me about it. And oh, yeah, his, his ex-girlfriend 
or his ex-wife, I guess, actually. His ex-wife, Mandy, knows about it, too. So then the Fairfax detectives go find Mandy that same day. And they get the story about Ed and Mandy's relationship and her knowledge of the murders. So the next day, the Fairfax police go to the former Chen residence in Great Falls. Talk- Where another family lives because <laughs> he sold right. that house. And they talk to the new owners. So they notice the house is set back from the street. They knock on the door. They meet the new owners, the Faustin family, who bought the house from, as far as they knew, Raymond Chen, for around $200,000. And keeping in mind that the other houses in this neighborhood in 2000, 2002, are all around a million dollars each. So they're thinking to themselves, wow, this is a murder house. No, they're not. They're like, this is a, like, there's damage in here. I got to take it as is. This is such a good deal. Right. Fixer upper. Right. Done and done. So they apparently put in another $200,000 of renovations and still got to them the deal of the century on this house. And they showed the detectives uh, all the pictures they had of the work they had done. So they had the before pictures and they had the after pictures. So the detectives are looking and they see that there is this really dark stain on the floor in the master bedroom in the before pictures. They go upstairs and look at it. And of course, now there's new wood flooring and there's paint on the walls. So they're like, all right, this this is this is interesting. So that same day that they go out to the Great Falls house, they also go track down Mandy's friend to whom she had given the letter. They ask him about the letter. He's like, oh, yeah. I have it in a safe over here, and I never read it. So she starts off the letter with her social security number, her full name, and her date of birth. So she is trying to be as official as possible. And it's the exact same story that she had told the detectives. Um, With the additional detail that after she told Ed she was pregnant, he said he would stay with her if she helped to bury the bodies. Because the first thing you do after you knock up your girlfriend, whom you murdered your family for, is to make your pregnant girlfriend bury their bodies and threaten to leave her if she doesn't help you. <sighs> then in the letter, Yikes. she states that they got married. <laughs> just a, There's just a transition from, he said he would stay with me if I helped bury the bodies. Then we got married. And then, <laughs> no. and then later he left me for an Asian woman, which we now know is Vicky. And they got divorced after a year. She ended the letter with, he told me he chopped them up and dumped them somewhere. I know his friend Michael showed him how to navigate to a certain place. The end, XOXO, Mandy. (laughs) Okay. Twist, twist, Mandy is Gossip Girl. Okay. (laughs) On the 21st, the next day, they go back to the Great Falls neighborhood, and they realize, uh, again, nobody missed the chance coming and going because Ed hired that lawn service. Everything looked normal about the house on the outside of this house, he stopped by every weekend to check on things. I don't know what all there is to check on, and I guess he wasn't doing that good of a job if a pipe burst and he was there checking on things, but okay. So then they start going around knocking on the neighbor's doors and realize nobody's home because that sounds like Great Falls. Big, giant, expensive houses that people buy, and then nobody lives in them, actually. So this also explains how the rifle goes off in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. nobody hears anything. So on the 26th, the police detectives have Vicky call Ed while they've recorded her conversation. 
And Vicky tells Ed she's having a really hard time emotionally because she's been keeping this big secret of his. And Ed basically counters with, she she shouldn't say shit because that's part of the deal. And the deal is you keep secrets. Which is not enough uh, for our, you know, our TV audience. We're just gonna, we just got to trick them into saying it. We just right. got to trick them into saying it, right? So there's like, you know, I could see them gesturing at her like, go on, mm-hmm. come on. Um, and I know based off of other um, you know, ID and things like that. Like they're also trying to get him to say enough, not just to confess, but also be to get a warrant to rip up the floors in the house so that it's admissible evidence. Because they, you know, they saw that stain and they know they need to get that evidence. And I, while I'm sure right. the family wants to cooperate, they need to cross all the I's and dot mm-hmm. all the T's to build their case. Mm-hmm. And Vicky asks Ed if he misses his parents, and he says, you know, I miss them every minute, and if I could go back and change any moment of my life, that would be the one that I would change, and then they ended the phone call, so. It's like, which would be the one? The one where you... Why would you change that moment? Would it be... (laughs) Yeah. So, not enough to arrest Ed, but it was enough to get a warrant to go cut up the floors of their old house in Great Falls. So, on the 29th, the Fairfax police go to see Michael, who was Ed's ride-or-die friend. Mm-hmm. And they ask Michael about Ed. And he's like, yeah, he's a friend of mine, but I haven't seen him in a while. They just said, okay, could you come with us to the police station? We just uh, need you to verify some information for us. And no matter what you tell us, you're going to be leaving the police station. You're going to be going home free because, dear listeners... Under the law of the Commonwealth of Virginia at this time, helping someone get rid of a body is a misdemeanor with a statute of limitations of just one year. Oh my God. What the actual hell, Virginia? Virginia has done so much, by the way, in this legislative session. I don't know if you've heard this, but Mm -hmm. July 1st, weed's going to be legal. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, outlawed the death penalty here. Mm-hmm. There's just, uh, I mean, they're doing so much. I really wonder if this is still the case. I should have looked it up. I didn't look it up. That was just me being lazy. So once again, going back to investigation discovery, burying the lead, the entire time you're watching this episode, you have Vicky with her Chiron, Ed's friend, and then you have Michael, Chiron, Ed's friend. And then you get to the point of the story where it's, he helped him dismember and get rid of the bodies. And you re- and he's just talking about it. You're like, oh, that's you. And you're just talking about it so matter of fact. And like it's some because it's been a year. Yeah. So you did this. You did this thing. You did not report him. You did not do anything. No. You you did this. And you're just like, and he's just like, he looks like a middle-aged dad. Yeah. Wearing a golf shirt. Going to the barbecue. Might and be it like, might be oh. time for on a Sunday to go to Home Depot. I don't know if there's time. I don't know. I don't know if there's gonna be enough time. Sounds like a really good Sunday. Like it's just yeah. baffling. And you're just like, wow. Wow. Maybe put that on the Chiron it the whole time. Body dismemberer. <laughs> right? Oh, so how did how Ooh. did these two besties meet? Well, Michael met Ed when he was working on his car. And they bonded, and then they ended up joining a loose group of friends who would go hang out in D.C. on the weekends at a nightclub, Katie might remember, called 
1223 on Connecticut Avenue. <laughs> but it was all in Roman numerals, Lizard, so that meant it was cool. Oh, yeah, it's very classy. And it was also very close to certain strip clubs, namely Camelot. So they well. would go hang out at 1223. They would go to Camelot. And he was apparently there the night that Ed met Vicky. So one night they're watching a movie that involved getting rid of bodies. And then Ed asked Michael what he would do in that situation. And he's like, I don't know. I guess I'd just take them apart, put them in a bag, drop them in the ocean. A week later, Ed comes back to him and says, by the way, this is real life. I have bodies that I need to dispose of. Will you help me? And Michael, being his ride or die, was apparently not shocked by this, A, because they are such good clubbing buddies. But also we find out in this show that uh, Michael grew up around the Hells Angels in California, so he apparently really oh, wow. did know how to dispose of a body. And in, re okay. and in return, uh, Ed gave him his BMW and $100,000. Because why not? Rate. I guess. Whew. So Michael makes him a list of items they're going to need. You know, just regular regular stuff you can get at the uh, at the Home Depot. So plastic bags, gym bags, some cement, hazmat suits, a boat. You're going to need a boat. Yeah, got to get a boat. So they go out to Deal, Maryland and buy a 19-foot boat because, you know, got to get out to the bay to dump them bodies, I guess. So I'm not going to get into the details, but Michael dismembers them, puts them into multiple gym bags, mixes up the concrete, pours the concrete in the bags. And then the next day, they drive Ed's truck over to Deal, Maryland, and they take the boat out into the Chesapeake. They throw the gym bags into the bay. Oh, and by the way, the first one didn't sink, so they learned that you had to cut a hole in the bag so that water could get inside and actually weigh it down, because otherwise it would float. Well. So that's just, you know, hot tip, hot tip. But the big shocker, <laughs> the big shocking you're point. You're on the bay I mean, and trying to sink things. I used to think that when I was on the bay, it needed to be uh, cracking crabs, beer, and the beach. But apparently, no. It's not everyone's priorities, no. unfortunately. And the big shocker that came out of this interview was that the friends apparently drifted apart over the next year. And Ed just said he wanted a, a fresh start, a new start in his life. Not that he was willing to okay. give that to his family, but he wanted a fresh start. So on the 29th, detectives got an arrest warrant and they arrest Ed. And he just goes ahead and tells detectives that night that he shot his family. Although a judge ruled in November of 2002 that the confession was inadmissible because he told detectives, I don't want to talk about it before giving them the details of how he shot his family. That's so, like, it's not like coercion. It's not like he was berated and, and, and you know, interrogated in, like, a, you know, the the way the bad cops will, no. you know. Oh, the, no water, and they're in the room for da-da-da. It's like, he literally was just like, eh, I don't want to. Yeah. But okay, here you go. That doesn't sound like coercion no. to me, but okay. However, the detectives knew they still had three key witnesses. They had Mandy, ex-wife, mm -hmm. Vicky, ex-girlfriend, ride or die Michael. And they also had the phone call that Vicky made to Ed that they recorded uh, back in March. However, mm -hmm. they didn't need to use any of that because in December of 2002, when Ed's 27, he admits in court that he shot his parents and his older brother in 1995 and left the bodies in their house for four years. So he pleaded guilty to 
three counts of first-degree murder, but he was only sentenced to 36 years in prison. Which is shocking. Of a person. Shocking. Yeah. He's eligible. Which means he gets out soon. Yeah. He's got, well, he's eligible for geriatric release when he turns 60. Right. Wow. Which. Wow. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. Third time's a charm, I guess, for the police actually doing something about this when they had gotten some kind of a tip. But unfortunately, their bodies of his family were never found. So they are still in the Chesapeake which is really sad. Mm -hmm. Vicky, of course, had her mm -hmm. own brush with the law. So after she <laughs> turned in Ed, she tried to withdraw $12,000, which really seems like chump change in comparison to all the other money that Ed's been throwing around. But she tried mm -hmm. to pose as Ed's mother and withdraw $12,000 from a bank account in Taiwan. And then she also paid Ed's legal bill with his family's money, which seems absurd. Right. Um, but I think, you know, since the jig was already up and the accounts were flagged, they were like, no. That just seems like the dumbest thing to do to me. Yeah. So she, she told the court that she was planning on giving that money to Ed's daughter with Mandy because Ed asked her to do so after he was in prison. So mm -hmm. because she had a good reason, the judge only gave her a 60-day sentence, which was less than the recommended sentence of four to 10 months. I, I'm like, that wasn't a good reason? I, I don't know. And then, of course, there were no charges brought against his friend Michael because of the statute of limitations expiring for his crime before the yep. police were involved. Yep. So... Lizards. Lizards. Imagine finding out this tale <laughs> at a happy hour. <laughs> and it's it's crazy. And it is baffling. It's it's local to the DC area. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, despite the fact that there is an investigation discovery episode about it, I feel like it's just not one of the crimes that's talked about. On any of the true crime podcasts that I've at least listened to, it doesn't seem to be like a quote unquote popular one that people dissect on social media. Right. It's definitely like I had never heard of it despite being a local person um, until I heard about it from Super Husband. And I mean, you listen to more true crime than I do, but it's never like it doesn't come up. It's not one of those like, you know. And again, this is not to compare it to, to huge serial killers like the Golden State Killer or whatever, but like every true crime podcast, like they, there's the greatest hits, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone's going to cover the Night Stalker. Everyone's going to cover, you know, the Green River Killer or whoever. Like this is not one that really comes up, even though it is a pretty, uh, pretty extraordinary story. Four years. The Four whole years. thing. And can you imagine being that poor family that bought that house and you're just living your best life thinking you got the deal of a, well, there, I guess, I guess that goes to show us all. If it's, if you think it's too good to be true, it probably is. Oh my it's, God, you're living in a murder it, house. It, right. Like if it's too good to be true, someone died there. I mean, yeah. you're just living your best life and all of a sudden the police show up at your door and they're like, so, so. can I take quick little peek at your master bedroom okay thanks lol 
<laughs> LOL. Next time we'll have a Warren. LOL. <laughs> it's awful. So, so lizards, um, we'll put all of our uh, links in the show notes. Uh, we de- definitely read the Love and Death in Great Falls from Washingtonian. So that it, it's it's written kind of more as like a narrative true crimey type thing versus like the more you know rote reporting um it's just it's it's really absorbing and i think we all wasted uh, several hours at work yeah. the next day after finding out about this it's really reading. good but i will also give the disclaimer that there's a lot of mm, i'd say language and phrasing there that mm. was probably fairly normal in 2005 that i don't think would fly today it seems like a lot of the detectives mm, saying I don't know. They're kind of putting Vicky down, I guess, because of her work that she was doing at the time right. and implying that she's somehow not that smart, but also like the cunning evil woman because she turned him in, which I'm like, pick one. Pick one. Yeah, you you know, and or it's or neither. Oh, how or about neither one. How about she's a person? Or understand that yeah, she's a human being in a weird circumstance. Um, but yes, uh, so always grain of salt there. Um, and then we will be back next week with Super Husband to ask him some mm, questions. Part two. We can learn about uh, Ed Chen. I wouldn't necessarily say the early days, but high school days. <laughs> high school days. Pre, pre-multiple murders. Pre-multiple murders, Ed Chen, and how Super Husband knew him, what he knew of him. And also, uh, Mandy went in the same circles as Super Husband's group of friends. So what they knew about... Her and their relationship is is really interesting to talk to him about this stuff. So I think everyone's going to enjoy it. And it's it's scary for Mandy, right? Because Ed is eligible to get out soon. Well, hell and yes. And it's not like, and it's not like, and you said for geriatric release, it's not like Quote, 60 unquote. is that old. It's really not. So it's not like you're, it's not like he's aging out of being able to come after him. Pretty sure you right? can still go murdering when you're 60. Yeah, so um, it's a it's an interesting time when, especially since that's coming up so soon, and um, maybe we'll also ask Super Husband since I was last time we recorded years old when I found out that this is not the only murderer he knows. So um, maybe we'll dip into that <laughs> as well. Super Husband also had another brush with another murderer whose case was a little bit more in the news but again um not like a serial murder or anything so not as again it's like not talked about in true crime but it, it did make the news here locally in in the dc area had, anyway i'm not gonna get into the detail i'm not gonna i gotta save it I'm putting my hand over my mouth like a little double header double header with my super husband since who knows when we can get him again what a get right? how did we get him so lucky <laughs> so you, you're lucky your girls got connections you know, to the um, Herndon High School Alumni Association, I guess. So, Lizards, uh, make sure that you uh, rate and review. Leave us a five-star review. That really does help us out a lot. And you can follow us at Wine Times Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And it's it's on Instagram where you will find out uh, things like when audio oh, is shit. forked or when we promote um, when Katie needs an exorcism episodes. Yeah, you know. And uh, you can also follow our individual accounts. I am at Katie Haas and MM is at True Crime Wine 69. Thank you as always to Chris Hansen. And uh, come pop a bottle with us next week with, uh, with Super Husband. Oh, it's going to be good. Bye.